Welcome to episode 64 of Friends and Film, a podcast that relates movie news and theatrical releases. I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. On this episode, we're going to talk about Star Wars continuing for 15 more years, more Spidey spin-offs, cable rumors, the brand new Just League trailer, and more all for review Power Rangers. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends and Film. Josh? Hey, Cooper. Uh, welcome back to the pod, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Awesome. Even though it is very uh, rainy and gloomy today here. Yeah, it's a... Uh kind of what i expect from spring but after days and days of sunshine it's a little bit disappointing yeah i mean i was actually able to play basketball this week outside because it was just so nice out and now today it's just like nope yeah. not anymore today would be a great day to watch movies that's yes. for sure yes it would be maybe after we're done here i'll watch some movies there you go how was your week of movie watching what did you get to see i watched i watched quite a few movies i watched all of the christopher reeve superman movies for the first time this oh, week oh boy uh, and? I thought the first two are good. I think they're they're passable movies. Um, Christopher Reeve definitely shines as both playing Clark Kent, who is just kind of a bumbling, shy guy, and yeah. also being like super confident. Like I don't know, he's like trying to be like a model, kind of a Superman, like getting all the ladies. Like he pulls both parts off equally well. As they move on, they don't work quite as well. Yep. They get really just kind of like dumb and really pointless i'm like what is happening here it doesn't make a lot of sense um i also watched uh the brandon ralph superman superman returns oh yeah thought that one was fine nothing uh nothing great it wasn't anything new yeah that's that was the thing i was like i feel like i saw all this stuff in the previous superman movies yeah so it's just like what am i supposed to like about this it was almost like an ode to the original exactly and it's like from that perspective, I think it does it does its job, but at the same time, I was like, I wanted something new. Sure. With uh, a Superman that is, you know, you know, twenty years newer than whatever the Christopher Reeves movies were, so mm-hmm. I was bummed there. Um, some couple other stuff. I also watched um, because we got the Justice League trailer this week. I wanted to watch uh, one of Zack Snyder's movies, and I've never seen Sucker Punch. Really. And I watched that last night. And good. Movie is terrible. What? I hated it. Like, oh. the first five, ten minutes, I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then after that, it just like went completely off the deep end. And I was like, what is this movie about? I have no idea. The action is like cool in parts. And it like, Zack Snyder knows how to shoot a movie. Like, it make it look good. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't. Like, by the end of the movie, I was like, I don't even care. Like, I don't even know what just happened. And if I did, I wouldn't care anyways. You know, I kind of, I've always put it up there with more of a thriller than an action movie. Okay. And I like, I like to liken it to Shutter Island. Oh. That, that's where I put it. I think Shutter Island's a much better movie than okay. well, Soccer too, Punch. They're different too. But yes, they are. Right. But I mean, I thought like, like Jenna Malone is probably the best part of the movie from like an acting standpoint. But uh, as far as new movies go, I also saw, we saw Power Rangers this week, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll be reviewing later on. I also saw Life, another new movie that came out this week. Thought it was good. I thought I was kind of surprised to see like, there was a lot of like really glowing reviews for the movie. I mean, it is suspenseful in parts, but none of the characters really blew me away or like, I never was attached to any of them. Um, and by the end of the movie, I was just like, okay, I think this is going to happen. It does happen. I'm like, there we go. It would have been better if it was the rumored was Venom say, yeah. <laughs> uh, prequel movie. You can't confirm it's not a yes. prequel. Disappointing. How well, was your week? I I finally got around after having like a really lazy week last week. Um, I 
got to see Ides of March, Ryan Gosling, George Clooney, and Evan Rachel Wood of mm-hmm. Westworld fame. And I really wanted to like it, mainly because it was shot in Ohio. Uh, a lot of the scenes were done at my current college, uh, Miami. And okay. I was like, oh, this could be awesome. It's about politics and running for president, mm-hmm. but it was it was horrible. <laughs> like it's it's George Clooney directed, so maybe. Oh really? Yeah, I know. It seemed like it had a lot of good pieces, but there were just so many weird sound bridges to scenes that like you don't even aren't even relevant. Huh. And then by the end of it, you're like, wait a minute, that's the climax. Ryan Gosling just bribes a guy to get his old job back and you just roll your eyes and you're like, <laughs> okay, this is so dumb. Um, but then I went down a Disney road and I saw Cinderella with Lily James, uh, Richard Madden from Game of Thrones. And I missed this movie when it first came out yeah. and I can't believe Kate Blanchett was in it. She does a superb job as the evil stepmother, uh, blown away. Mm-hmm. And then it's great to see Helen Bottom Carter in like a in, in a non Tim Burton movie right. where she's playing the fairy godmother, which feels like the opposite of everything she mm-hmm. does. And then the musical Into the Woods, I got to okay. see Anna Kendrick as Cinderella does a great job, and James Corden, like the whole thing is sung through. I think it's Stephen Sodomheim, and yeah, I think so. I loved it. Um, Was uh, Helen Mirren deserving of her Oscar nomination? Yes, oh. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I I I, w- I was blown away. Cool. Um, but I mean, there's a reason she didn't win. So right, that, that's for that. Uh, and then I returned to one of my favorite kid movies, Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed, <laughs> uh, with Freddie Prinze Jr. as Fred, and I just kept laughing over and over again at this back and forth between him and a reporter, mm-hmm. where he gets taken out of context for everything he says. And he's like, and then he finally catches on to it. And he's like, hey, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to make me say something. So it seems like I said, I think Coolsville sucks. Yeah. And then later on the news, they have that one clip of him going, <laughs> I think Coolsville sucks. And just hilarious. Um, and then I closed it all off with Kingsman. Ah. Because Matthew, I mean, we talked about the Matthew Vaughn story, possibly getting Superman 2 or Man of Steel 2. And ah. I forgot Michael Caine was in that movie, oh, man. but absolutely love him. Samuel L. Jackson, probably one of my favorite roles for that guy, mm-hmm. or at least in the villain type, oh, of the, yeah. type of the aspect. And one thing I never noticed, but at the church scene, the infamous church scene, yes. the, the preacher, he was supposed to be in Kentucky. He's got an English accent. And I just start. I started losing it <laughs> during that part, but it's it was still good as good as I remember. And I cannot wait till we get a first trailer. Yeah, I mean that. it should be coming any week now. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean the movie comes out later this year, so I mean it, they're getting like kind of. I mean unless they're just waiting until most of the summer movies have kind of died off, and they're not competing with you know Spider-Man: Homecoming and Justice League trailers and everything, then they can give theirs. I mean, that could make sense, but yeah, I mean, I'm dying to see what is next for the Kingsman franchise. Absolutely. Um, but we do have some news to talk about this week before we get to our review of Power Rangers. And we're going to start with the flyby. If you want to skip straight to our review of Power Rangers, there'll be a timestamp in the description of this uh, of this episode. Uh, but we're going to start with the flyby. Just give quick takes on a couple of stories that dropped this week, including one from The Hollywood Reporter that revealed... Fences uh, star Jovan Adepo and Everybody Wants Some's Wyan Russell have joined the J.J. Abrams-produced uh, World War II zombie thriller thing named Overlord. We talked about the director joining earlier in the year. Uh, what do you think of this cast? I haven't seen either of those movies. Um, have you seen 22 Jump Street? 
Yes. Okay. Wyatt Russell is um, Zeke or Zook. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, I mean, he'll probably be playing a different role than yeah. a bro, but that sounds great. Um, what about uh, Joven? I mean, is he, he, he got he, the jobs? Yeah. He's, he's good. He was good awesome. in fences. Uh, and yeah, Wyatt Russell is hilarious in 22 Jump Street and everybody wants some. So I think it's too, from what I've seen from each of them, Joven's very dramatic and Wyatt is very much more comedic. So it'll be interesting to see how they pair up together. But the thought of them fighting zombies potentially in World War II, yeah, I mean, that sounds very cool mm-hmm. to me. So I can't wait for this Julius, yeah, Julius Avery to kind of show us what this is all about. Yeah. It sounds so weird. I'm still waiting to see a trailer for God Particle the, like, that's supposed to come out this year. It's supposedly maybe Cloverfield 3. I'm dying for that one, too. So many things from Bad Robot. Yes. Uh, And we do have an update on what Rob Downey Jr. is going to be doing after he's done, or not done with Iron Man, but after he's done filming Avengers Infinity War. And the fourth Avengers film, according to Variety, he is set to star in the Dr. Doolittle reboot, The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle, in the lead role of Dr. Doolittle. Like the Dr. Doolittle, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, like the Eddie Murphy, Dr. Doolittle. What? Um, Okay. So, Dr. Doolittle is a pretty old character, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any chance this is like a 1940s type Dr. Doolittle where he's kind of like Charles Darwin and they're going to go that route? I, or I, doubt, I, I doubt that. Okay. I feel like it's basically going to be him being like Sherlock Holmes, but with talking, talking animals. animals. Mm. And from that perspective, I think it could work. I mean, this isn't the role I was like, oh, I, you know, after Avengers 4, I want to see Rob Downey Jr. do this role. I would not have chosen Dr. Doolittle if you've given me a million choices. Yeah, that's um, for sure. I mean, I'd rather see him do more dramatic stuff, but at the same time, he's very charismatic. He has the star power, and I mean, I think I think this can work. I remember watching Dr. Doolittle as a kid, and, be like, and it was funny back then. I don't know if it would hold up now, but I mean... With Rob Downey Jr. attached, I am more interested in a Dr. Doolittle reboot sure. than I would be if he was not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on to a couple of trailers. We're going to save the Just League trailer for last, um, but we did get our second trailer this week for Baywatch. What would you think? Eh, more of the same. I mean, it looks like a complete Zac Efron run-of-the-mill summer comedy like we've been getting from him for the last four years. Yeah. However, since Neighbors started up. And... Um, you know, it hasn't let me down since. And Dwayne Rock Johnson's there to make sure of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it looks pretty much exactly like the first trailer we saw. The Rock and Efron and Daddario seem to be the three biggest players in the movie. I think they'll all be fine. It looks like it'll it'll be funny, I'm sure. It'll be, you know, some there'll be some big action set piece at some point probably. Um Yeah, I mean, I'll see it, but I'm not like pumped like if like, ooh, can I go see Baywatch yes. tomorrow, please. <laughs> like, that's just not my excitement level it right looks now. It's like the 23 Jump Street that we haven't gotten. Right. I mean, if it can be, it, yeah, it looks like a B version of 21 Jump Street. So, like, I don't think it's going to reach quite that level. Mm-hmm. But if it can be just a little bit below, then I'll be happy with it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, we did get, though, our first uh, official trailer and then an international trailer as well for Edgar Wright's new movie, Baby Driver. I forgot to put in the rundown last week. I was kicking myself all week because I wanted to talk about it so bad. I mean, this this trailer, I'm, I'm a big fan of Edgar Wright. And after seeing this trailer, this movie just kind of shot up my 2017, 2017 most anticipated okay. list. Because 
I mean, it just looks like so fun and like kind of different. I've, I don't remember a movie where you're focusing on the getaway driver. Like that seems like just such a cool concept where you're following him around. He's trying to get out. The fact that his name is baby, I think is genius yeah. from just a dialogue perspective because all these different characters from whether it's John Bernthal, Jimmy Fox, John Hamm, Kevin Spacey, they're all just going to keep saying oh, yeah. baby, 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 like all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, even like the, 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 the music they let, they used in the, in the real trailer, the official trailer, uh, like there's like uh, they keep saying baby over and over again. So I think that is, that is great for them. Um, and they're the reason I, I just, I don't know this one, the one shot, if you watch the trailer where it's uh, Ansel Elgar and um, uh, John Bernthal driving down the alleyway. And he like does this like 180 half spin and then he oh, spins yeah. it back around. I'm like, how do you do that? Like right in front of the that, semi. Oh, like it was, it was insane. I, I've never seen that move before ever. And then like Elgar like leaps over a car that's like coming after him. It looks like so energetic and fun. And I haven't seen a lot of Elgar as a leading man um, outside of like he's in the Divergent movies, I think. Um, and I've seen like the first two of those. Yeah. Okay. So I was never really sold on him being like a huge lead, but I mean, this movie looks like it could prove him to be that guy. Yeah. It looks like he's kind of playing. I mean, he's playing to his strength. He's, he's in a, he's in a lead role, but it looks like he's playing to um, his strength of someone who's not like, you know, super cool and suave. Right. But he, once he gets into the wheel of the car, I mean, that's exactly who he is. And I think that's perfect. And like you said, the music, he's, he's got those uh, headphones constantly in mm-hmm. his ears. So the whole movie can be soundtracked yep. any way they want. And it'll kind of have like a, it like it's like what the Guardians of the Galaxy can do. Mm-hmm. You can just play '80s music and make it relevant to the film in any way you want, and yeah. it won't feel out of place. It mm-hmm. gets meta, and I love that. Um, it's got yeah, Lily James is in there as this uh, Southern act, or Southern waitress. I mean, she was star of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely loved her in that, and watching her here, like in something completely different, that's gonna be fun. And Kevin Spacey doesn't do enough movies. No, he doesn't. I mean. What's the last movie that he's been in? That stupid cat movie that was animated yeah. last summer, which was, I yeah. didn't even... Uh, Nine yeah, Lives yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. What in the Yikes. world? I mean, this this will be a perfect way to uh, tie me over once House of Cards Season 5 finally comes around again. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. And yeah, I mean, it's got stacked with like John Hamm, John Berthall. Like, those are two guys I would love to see in a movie together. So, uh, I'm so glad... Uh, I finally got, finally got to turned on to these trailers because mm-hmm. I missed them last week too when yeah. we talked about them. Uh, I am definitely putting this on my must-see list. Yes. Um, oh, and the joke like at the end of the first trailer where it's like the Mike Myers Halloween like mask <laughs> yes. joke, like that is just like that is a great joke and like just the way there's like three levels to the joke and it played perfectly in every single mm-hmm. level. So I mean, just hats off to <laughs> I mean Edgar Wright for that. Um, let's move to some bigger franchises such as Star Wars. And uh, according to Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, who just extended his contract for another year to go through 2019, he confirmed um, at this you know kind of conference or whatever you want to call it that The Last Jedi will not be changed at all to deal with Fisher's passing. Instead, they'll keep her performance entirely intact for this movie. He also went on to say that they definitely will not CGI her moving forward uh, to give her additional scenes or bring her in episode nine or anything. So do you think this is surprising that they're not going to change episode eight at all? You know, there's two ways to look at this. There's the, 
okay, they're doing it out of respect, which is, I think, 65%. Yeah. There's the other 35% of me that thinks, oh, it's because something happens. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my gut instinct right now, especially w- the way he set up with total confidence. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that's something to think about. But I do like the idea, even though, even if she does, you know, stay with the movies, mm-hmm. that they're not going to bother putting her back into it. I just think that's, I didn't like it when they did it with Philip Seymour Hoffman and I I, I thought I was astounded by one of them bringing in Governor Tarkin, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the more I think about it, the more I I don't like it. Yeah, I I am surprised. I'm I'm actually kind of shocked that they're not changing episode eight at all because of this. Like, I mean, they've they said after she died that you know, or Disney didn't say this, but reports came out from like the Hard Reporter and Deadline and very reputable sources that. You know, she was supposed to come back for episode nine and have an even larger role, even though she's having an even larger role than in episode eight than she had in episode seven. So, mm-hmm. like, she was supposed to be, I feel like, a major piece moving forward in the Star's mythology. And for her not to be able to do that, I feel like, you, I don't know, in my mind, I was like, well, you have to change the ending in some way to episode eight. And if he's saying that's not happening, then. I mean, what does it mean for Leia? I mean, I think it's a very real possibility if we're moving, you know, past episode eight and moving to episode nine, that there's a chance that they will recast Leia. Do you think hmm. that's anything they would consider? And if they did, would that upset you or? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, it wouldn't upset me. Uh, it would just be like, it would kind of be a little bit of a pang to be like, okay, I mean, I understand what they did, mm-hmm. but that role is so Carrie Fisher forever yeah. that it would feel really weird mm-hmm. watching it on screen. And I think that's something that Colin Trevorrow would not let happen. So, um, you know, it's, it's still two years out. Yes. So, I mean, they have plenty of time to think about it. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know how, if she was supposed to have a large role in nine mm-hmm. and you're not going to CGI her, Fisher's obviously not going to be there. Like how does episode eight end in a natural place where you can then write out Leia I mean, if she's supposed to have this huge arc, is all that stuff going to Luke now? Are they going to, maybe they don't rework the ending for Leia and they, this is true where he's saying we're not going to touch Leia, but at the end of episode eight, they rework it a little bit where, you know, somebody within the resistance says, you know, we're sending, you know, General Organa off to do this assignment or something or something. Mm -hmm. And she has to go talk to the Senate, the new Senate. She has to go do this political thing. And that's where they can just write her out of episode nine because they don't deal with any of that stuff. Yeah, we haven't had a time jump yet in the new episodes. No. So I think, and I think the end of episode eight is going to be ripe for at least, you know, a couple of years mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of a movement somewhere yeah. along the lines. And that gives them time to rearrange pieces on the board and maybe even, you know, confirm her passing over that time or whatever the case may be uh, for General Leia. But... Uh, it still it still feels surreal even talking about this scenario, right? Just because uh, uh, sometimes I think about it, and I can't believe that uh, Carrie's gone. So right, it it would be like in that scenario if they like you know basically kill her off between movies. Mm-hmm. It would be very weird if like we don't know if this is happening for sure, but if Episode Eight opens with Han's funeral potentially, or like that happens very early on, and then Episode Nine it also begins with a funeral for like for leia mm-hmm. i mean that would be that would be 
like so bizarre yeah. to have happen. Like that's out of Lucasfilm's control, obviously, but I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I am. So I'm super interested to see what they ultimately decide to do, whether it is recasting, whether it is just writing her out of episode nine entirely. And then, you know, as the stars universe moves forward, then there's just no place for Leia anymore. Right. And I, I mean, it probably looks like that ladder, that ladder option. Right. But, uh, well, I guess, I mean, it seems like we'll have plenty of time to kind of see how that plays out, right? Yeah, because Iger also said that uh, they are already planning for another decade and a half of Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. which from a decade and a half from now is the year 2032, mm-hmm. which seems so, so far away. Um, so if they do maybe take a break from the Skywalker saga, or do you think they would do that? What do you think this means for the next 15 years of Star Wars? I don't know how you get 15 years of Star Wars um, by just sticking with the Skywalkers. Right. You know, uh, like very early on, I think Kathleen Kennedy said that they're going to continue the Skywalker saga with uh, the episodes, and mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be centered around. So I guess that's what you have to do unless you have trilogies like the purported three movie arc that they want to give Han Solo. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you have to start looking elsewhere, like doing, you know, Jedi mythology and moving back, you know, into the Knights of the Old Republic Mm -hmm. storylines that were kind of carved out in the legends now. Uh, 15 years kind of makes me want to roll my eyes because I'm thinking, oh boy, they really are going to, I mean, they're going to get their money's worth for $5 billion? Uh, It was $4 billion. $4 billion, yeah, which Which is is, an insane They're going to make their money back by the end of episode eight's run. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, or I mean, and just in terms of box office dollars, that doesn't right. count merchandising, merchandising or which is the all the stuff they're putting in in Disneyland and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't count for any of that. Yeah. Crazy. I, I, I still haven't really thought about what they would do going forward without, you know, doing a uh, 10, 11, 12 mm-hmm. series, but there's, there's still plenty of material there. Yeah. I would hope that the episodes are maybe at the tail end of that decade and a half. Do you think, do you think like that? Or are you probably thinking they just go 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 with maybe spaced out anthology movies? I mean, from my perspective, well, before I get to that, since you mentioned Han Solo, did you see that he also kind of said that Han Solo is going to take place between his 18 and 24 years. Yeah. It's like, it's going to like, I don't know if that, that necessarily means it's going to actually span six years or if he, the movie will start when he's 18 and then they'll flash forward a couple of years or whatever they're going to do. But I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I feel like from Disney's perspective, if episode nine is also a huge hit and episode eight is a huge hit as well as episode seven, I don't know why from them, from their perspective, they'd go, and say, well, we're going to take a, year, a couple years off from this because after episode nine, I, mean, I obviously have no idea how episode nine is going to end, but I feel like most likely they would leave it kind of open-ended for these characters to return for some other big thing to happen within the Star Wars universe that would be able to be stretched out for another trilogy of films. Uh, I don't think this 15-year model would include an, an additional episode every other year because that means by the time we get to the end of this year decade and a half we're at like star wars episode 20 or something like yeah (laughs) i don't i don't see that happening at all because i feel like that's just that that progresses this universe so quickly in such a short amount of time so i i think personally that they will 
in some ways, maybe they'll stretch out these episodes a couple, like they'll do one every, you know, three years instead of every two years. Um, but they'll bring in other trilogies as well. Whether it is, I would love to see a Knights of the Old Republic trilogy. Um, I am dying to see you McGregor back as Obi Wan. Oh, I don't is. know if he would be down for a trilogy at this point um, because he is. I mean, he's in his late forties, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's still in the perfect age range to do it. I just don't know if he'd be willing to sign a three picture deal or if he'd rather just go. Well, I'll do two. And then they're like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I know he loves those transpotting movies, so he's got, like, right. those planned. So, I mean, yeah, I have no idea. I think there is going to be a point where they're going to, you know, I feel like in this decade and a half there has to be, if they're planning basically 15 more movies, if they're going to stick with their one-movie-year plan, at some point Knights of the Old Republic has to be addressed and, like, brought into actual canon lore. Obi-Wan movie is definitely happening at that point. I feel like we'll have the Boba Fett movie at some point there as well. Or maybe if it's, if it's not Boba Fett, it'll be a bounty hunter, you know, style movie where oh, it's, it's a group of bounty hunters or whatever. Um, I feel like, I mean, there's so many possibilities obviously, but I would also love to see them branch out from doing just stuff we already know and doing something where some brand new character is, you know, the focus of a movie and it has no ties there's no like oh here's darth vader's coming at the very end of this movie just like just a movie that we know is in star wars because it plays takes place on like coruscant or something and the rest of the movie just has nothing no like no mention of anything else and that way you just kind of let it let it be yeah there's there's they've always taken the risks with the books and you can see that now with a Mm -hmm. lot of the uh, other content they're doing it would be it would be incredible to see them branch out on the big screen um, with something, a property or a person that's totally original that right. has no ties to anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when you talk about a bounty hunter movie, you put Boba Fett in it because people know that. Right. So uh, it would be really weird to see them like instead of doing like a Chewbacca origin story, right. <laughs> do something entirely different. Yeah, I, I would, I'd welcome that way more than I would in episode 10 or 11, so to speak. Yeah, I'd also, if we're throwing things out there, I'd love to see an Ahsoka Tano movie. Uh, Rosario Dawson has expressed interest in playing her live action. I think mm. that'd be killer. Uh, I don't know if that'll ever happen. It probably won't, but... They've got, a, they've got an alien bias in their movies. Yeah, that's see, that's sure. the thing. You could get an alien-led movie, also a female-led movie. Like, it'd be great, and it would, like, just give all those people who've watched Clone Wars, who've watched three seasons of Rebels, you know, something to be like, I've watched this character for like nine years or whatever, and now I get to see her on the big screen. I doubt I doubt she'll get her own movie. I feel like that's really unlikely at this point, but if they have 15 years planned, I mean, that's 15 movies. I feel like one of those could easily be Ahsoka, mm-hmm. but you never know. Do you think, he doesn't mention, you know, you know, we have 15 movies, you know, being developed. Do you think there's a possibility where they take a year off from Star Wars entirely? Or do you even think there's a possibility that within these next decade and a half, we could see two movies a year? Ooh, two movies a year sounds really aggressive, uh-huh. especially when you're on, you're in uncharted territory with, with the episodes ending. And I mean, it took Abrams and Michael or Michael Ardent, like, a year, a full year just to map out episode seven. Right. So I think, uh, there's definitely 
a spot where there's maybe a year or two years while they just regather the writer's mm-hmm. room and then plot these things out again um, and then sort of gear up for it like a, a multi-million dollar five, four or five year run of movies and then calm down and then do it again and again. And it kind of comes at us in waves. That's the best possible scenario that someone who doesn't want to see the brand, a, a brand that's already, you know, monetized everywhere, <laughs> you know, you know, dial, dial it back a little bit. Yeah. So we, we know we all have another 15 years of Star Wars movies to talk about. And we also now know that we will not, we will, we will see more of Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, James Gunn, the director of the film, told Fandango, quote, they're both characters that we've taken a lot of time to develop and they're a big part of the MCU now. So we already know that Kurt Russell's playing Ego, the living planet. We've seen his human form in the trailers and marketing so far. We've not seen Stallone at all. Um, besides there was supposedly a glimpse of him shown at comic-con during like a sizzle reel last year where people thought he looked very much like a nova Corps member um what do you th- are you happy that we're going to see more of both of these guys moving forward in the mcu do you have any theories on who stallone could be maybe oh yeah i've got i mean i've got so many theories okay. about stallone oh i have one theory about stallone but first kurt russell seemingly being confirmed to survive yes. this next movie is terrific i I love this guy so much, um, and he'll he's probably the one reason I still am going to go see Fate of the Furious, aside from us <laughs> probably reviewing it. Probably. Uh, but Stallone, and bear with me here. We've talked about this a ton when trying to decide what's going to happen with Infinity Wars and mm-hmm. the, the, the following movie, whichever, whatever that, you know, is about. But is there any possible way that Sylvester Stallone is Adam Warlock because at this point I think that's what's got to be up. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a there's an inkling where I could say you know maybe, but at the same time, if Sylvester Stallone is playing a character as big as Adam Warlock in the MCU, it would be out by now. Somebody somewhere would find out that information and reveal it. Like mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way to keep that a secret the whole time. If there's anything, um, Michael Rosenbaum. I think is his name. He was confirmed to be part of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 as well and said to be a character that's closely tied to Sylvester Stallone. If I could see him maybe being Adam Warlock and sure. then Sylvester Stallone is his pal or something. I have no okay. idea. Um, if I did put money on something, I would say Sylvester Stallone is probably... I don't know if he would be Richard Ryder, like the Nova, or if he would be a previous Nova that is not from the comics or something because James Gunn has kind of been very much against the idea of bringing in another human to the guardians group because he likes the fact that Peter Quill is the only human in the group. So I could see him being like the old original Nova who is back within the Nova Corps. He gets brought back into you know the events of this movie for whatever reason that may be. Um, and then he can, appear later on down the road whenever they do want to introduce Richard Ryder or do the younger Sam Alexander maybe he is Sam Alexander's dad or something and it's just like sure he's been gone off earth for all these years I think him being part of the Nova Corps or being Nova whether that is Richard Ryder Sam Alexander's dad or just some unknown Nova character I think that's the most likely outcome plus he could then appear in a Nova movie later on down the road and I mean I'm just more excited that it means 
that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is not going to be the last time we see either one of these characters or these actors, uh, for that case, in the MCU. Yes, definitely. And especially because Stallone seems to be nowhere near a Creed 2 movie, as well as Michael <sighs> B. Jordan. I wish. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think of what... What do you think of James Gunn's quote to Cinnamon Blend about Stallone, where he says, a small but vital role. He's a very, very important role, not a huge role. He's a great and key supporting actor. You don't think that hints at all? I mean, Nova Corps seems kind of small time. But again, if he is Nova, or if he is an iteration of Nova, that's that's a, that's a big role moving forward in the MCU. Okay. And I feel like that, that makes more sense when you're getting somebody like Stallone. If he is going to have a bigger role moving forward, having him play Nova for like two minutes in Guardians 2 or something, and then appearing in Infinity War and finding the next, you know, his protege for Nova or whatever, I think I feel like that makes a lot of sense. There's people that are dying to see Nova on the big screen, and if you give Stallone the opportunity to play that, I feel okay. like that's a great move. Okay, sure thing. Um, but moving on to the Sony-verse... Because it's not technically the Spider-Verse, because Spider-Man's not necessarily going to be a part of these movies, apparently. Um, we talked about last week that Venom is getting his own spinoff movie, and now the Howard Reporter has revealed that Chris Yost, one of the writers on Thor Ragnarok, is currently writing a script for a Silver Sable and Black Cat-led movie for Sony. Uh, they later clarified that this uh, team-up is not connected to the MCU, neither is the Venom movie, what do you make of this? Um, I'm hoping they're playing chicken with the Venom movie. <laughs> That's my first gut thing. But if you're going to spin off your own superhero characters, I think stealing a writer or borrowing a writer from you know Thor 3, which sounds like it could be the best of the series, mm-hmm. is a good start. Now, I don't know if you're going to have the support you know, with these two characters who aren't well-known at all you know, to drum up you know, some interest for that unless you do get Spider-Man in there somewhere. Right. Or else what's the point of this Sony deal? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But but what do you think? I mean, Black Cat, Silver Sable seem very obscure. Yeah. I mean, Black Cat has technically had her big screen debut um, thanks to uh, Felicity Jones and Amazing Spider-Man 2 is playing Felicia Hardy. She never got to suit up as Black Cat, but that was the character she was supposed to be if that universe moved forward. Um, Silver Sable is a character I don't know much about. I've had limited um, experience with her in a Heroes for Hire run, the, a Marvel comic. But they're both heroes, but they're also both not necessarily very much tied to Spider-Man. I feel like there's ways to get around it, whereas Venom, you know, he, his origins are very closely tied to Spider-Man. So I feel like if in this case, I feel like there's a way where they can actually do this movie without Spider-Man. I'm still not happy that it's not going to take place in the MCU because I am excited that Spider-Man is back in the MCU. I want to see all these characters in the MCU. I understand from Sony's perspective that, you know, there's going to be a... I mean, they're not, Marvel's not ready to make a Silver Sable and Black Cat movie. I totally get that. And from their perspective, they're going saying, well, we can make not just a female-led movie, but a movie with two female leads Mm -hmm. in the superhero genre, which is never done before. Right. So I get that, but I would rather them wait and see if they can incorporate this into the MCU in some way. Because, I mean, what are you you doing? Yeah, it sounds like a dare almost. They're like, hey, we want to do this. 
basically sanction it, like let it, you know, work your magic on these people and let us, you know, reap the profit or else we'll just go haywire. Right. Do you think that's, I think that's possible or does that just seem too, does that seem too cynical and bonkers? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I heard one theory where, you know, they were saying that maybe this is all just part of some negotiation tactic that Sony's doing with Marvel where they're saying, oh, we have these movies that we're planning to do with Spider-Man. So if you want to buy his rights back, you know, we are, we're already planning to do these movies. So you need to buy these characters as well, or, you know, give us a new deal where we can incorporate Venom into the MCU. Um, so I feel like that could maybe be an option. I just don't want them to do something like dumb where this movie exists. These movies exist within like the Andrew Garfield spider verse. Oh, and yeah. please no. he's retired. So that's why he's never there. Um, and we just never have a Spider-Man. And so now it's Black Cat and Silver Sable and maybe even Venom, you know, being the heroes of New York and stuff like that. <laughs> that, just, that just seems stupid. So I would, would rather just wait and see a Black Cat, Silver Sable movie, a Venom movie, whatever other spinoffs they want to do, wait until they can happen within the Marvel Cinematic Universe continuity. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, but we did get some new cable rumors as well. With the Hollywood Reporter reporting that Michael Shannon is currently the frontrunner to play Cable in Deadpool Two. Oh, well, uh, you know, I I don't like Michael Shannon a lot, but I thought his General Zod portrayal was good. I just don't know if he fits with the Cable personality. Yeah, is that your, I'm, I'm that's right your there with you. Too? I was like, oh, that's interesting. That would not have been my first. Or second or mm-hmm. tenth choice for Cable. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, Michael Shannon is a great actor, so there's always the possibility he could surprise us. I mean, he was great in Turtle Animals. He's super funny in The Night of. Um, I mean, he's great as General Zod. Like, he has a great, you know, filmography. But I don't envision him as Cable right now, especially. I mean. In my mind, you have to think about it that you have Zazzy Beats as Domino. So you need somebody who can be that romantic lead with Domino. And Michael Shannon doesn't strike me as that for sure. Zazzy Beats. So I have no idea if this will happen. Apparently, he was rumored a couple of weeks back to be previously in contention, but he had scheduling conflicts. Maybe those conflicts freed up, and that's why he's now back in the running, or those conflicts would come back again, and this is just kind of old news that this isn't going to happen so i mean we'll wait and see i feel like this is going to be resolved in the next couple of weeks yeah i mean he just it's just a very surprising pick when you would think i mean not that he's bad but you feel like you have almost your choice of actor at this point right but maybe not well i mean if they had their choice they maybe would have had brad pitt in the role oh uh, Collider reported this week that Brad Pitt was being courted for the role of Cable, uh, and it was basically confirmed a couple hours before this report came out because leaked concept art of Brad Pitt as Cable went viral. It looks insane, and I'm like, yeah, if that's the way Brad Pitt's going to look as Cable, I am completely on board for it. But at the same time, Brad Pitt is, I think, older than Michael Shannon, so again, that love interest angle with domino doesn't work very well even though michael or brad pitt is a mm-hmm. bigger i mean he he was like the hunk back in the days in the 90s and stuff so he can have that 
you know, that sex appeal, I guess, better yeah, sure. than Michael Shannon would. Um, <laughs> okay. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like this would be cool. I don't think it's going to happen. But right. if it did, I would, I'd be cool with it. It seems like a Ryan Reynolds dream cast. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, Brad Pitt's acting casting type, you know, is disgruntled. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you look at Cable and you think that guy looks like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. So perfect. I mean, you, you mean you're perfect. You were right up the, uh, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head with the, you know, he was, he was the, he was the man back in the nineties and mm-hmm. early two thousands and then right through the oceans movies. Yeah. Uh, so he makes more sense than maybe like a David Arbor. Yeah. Uh, or my Michael Shannon. And I would love to see it. But it sounds like, yeah, there's some scheduling conflicts that he has with mm-hmm. World War Z 2. Yeah. Who and knows if that will happen. Though. Yeah. And I, I want that to happen because that remains one of the better zombie movies that, you know, goes big and goes for it all that I've ever seen. Right. Uh, outside of Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. which, man, that guy's come a long way. Anyway, uh, this would be awesome if it happened. And I would have loved um, for them to get brad pitt especially him and ryan reynolds back and forth i think that could have been oh yeah i mean maybe this is all another negotiating tactic and this is just this leak came out because brad pitt is still interested in the role and Mm -hmm. that was the reason behind this so that way all the internet would be like yes give us brad pitt as cable and then ryan reynolds would see something like okay we can delay production another month sure still be fine yeah and we can get brad pitt as cable and then also you know make sure Brad Pitt gets a bigger payday. Too. Exactly. So who knows whether that's going to happen or not. I'm not holding my breath for it or that it will happen. I would love for it mm-hmm. to happen. But the big drop this week was the new or the official first trailer for justice league. What'd you think? Uh, well, I mean, so the first, the comic con look, the first look that we got was kind of like a, it was a teaser, but it was also its own trailer. It was like a sizzle reel kind of. Yeah. It doesn't give a lot of the plot away. It's just like, here are all these characters. Yeah, here are the people that are coming, you know, that yeah. you've got to see in Superman or Batman versus Superman. Barely. Um, and this was pretty good. It was an it was a great trailer. It had this rock version of Come Together by mm-hmm. the Beatles, just as Batman drops into this tank. I think. Yeah, I think it's called the um, the crawler. Yeah, it, it's epic, and he just starts blasting away at the parademons, which I love the concept of. They're in these exo suits. They're not really flying monkeys. Mm-hmm. They uh, look like aliens that are on a foreign planet. Right. Love the idea. Very much in line with Man of Steel and how they got here on this planet. Awesome. We got to see. There's this epic battle with Amazonians and the Parademons, which worries me a bit, but shot for shot looks incredible. Um, and I cannot say enough about Ray Fisher's cyborg. He gets one line, but it just is quintessential cyborg. Sounds like him, looks like him. And I'm like, this is this is this is the Teen Titans guy that I loved so much, you know, as a kid. And he's like, y- you should probably move. Yeah. I'm like one line entire movie. Or at least trailer. Yeah. Yes, I hope not. I hope it's not that time. Yeah. <laughs> and so cool. I, I'm so down to see more of him. And then Aquaman looks fun. He looks like a rocker. That's why the song works with him in so many levels. Uh, I'm excited for this. I, I think this could be, you know, this could get them back on track. Um, hopefully Wonder Woman has will already have done mm-hmm. that. But a great 
first trailer for Justice League. Am I am I alone here? What did you think? No, I thought I thought it was a great trailer too. Awesome. Um, I thought the tone was really good. It was it starts off you know more in line with what we've seen from the DCEU so mm-hmm. far, where it's more serious. But then very quickly they bring in the fun, they bring in the jokes. Surprisingly, the action from Snyder is of course great as always. That's never a surprise or anything. Um, the I mean the big thing to me was just Jace Momoa's Aquaman. Okay. I've never seen Momoa in anything, so I'm not a Game of Thrones watcher, as I've said a billion times on it's the podcast. Night and day. And I mean he he looks perfect. He his jokes landed every single time. The one where he was like, uh, just like a bat, I dig it. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's cool. Me too. Um and then like when he the, I mean the ending of the trailer when he is riding on the Batmobile mm. and then he just leaps at like three parademons flying out and I was like that was awesome yeah like I want to see him do that the whole movie and mm-hmm. then like he early in the trailer he's like stab he throws his trident at like three parademons and stabs all three of them like it just looks insane and it makes me way more excited for Aquaman's movie coming out next year um so that was a, that was a big bright spot for me. I I still really like Ezra Miller as the Flash. Oh yeah, um, he's again. I mean, it's only brief moments, so I can't take too much away from it. But you know, he's funny. He's like him. Him and Batman's like dynamic looks great. He's like, where's where are your superpowers again? He's like, I'm rich. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> I mean, that's true. So yes, uh, fair. Um, and yeah, like the the shot you're talking about where it's basically all of these parademons and apocalypse ships and everything fighting against Amazonians. I'm guessing, you know, maybe some other Atlanteans are there maybe as well, because it looks like this took place a long time ago on earth. Um, that looks like in like an epic battle. I want to see like a movie just about that battle oh, because yeah. that could be just insane. Um, that, that won't happen, but if it did, that'd be cool. I am interested with the fact that a lot of this movie or a lot of this trailer took place around, you know, in this like very apocalypse looking. Yeah. It's a hellscape. (laughs) We were like, where are you guys? Like, Mm -hmm. is this now part of earth? Have you guys gone off earth? Like, I don't know. I'm guessing you're on earth because you're protecting the mother boxes from Steppenwolf and his parademons and everything. But where is this giant tower that looks like it has just desecrated everything within like a, 200 mile radius of it like is this in the middle of metropolis is this in antarctica like where where is this all taking place i have no idea yeah (laughs) but it look but it looks cool it looks like it'll be i'm guessing that'll be either the third act battle or the end of the second act battle before they then get superman back Mm -hmm. uh which i was i'm not completely surprised we haven't seen superman yet but at the same time i'm wondering how long they will keep this going because the the first, you know, banner they released for this movie had Superman front and center, and then they released like all these like mini clips leading up to the trailer. Superman didn't get one, mm-hmm. and now the first official trailer, he's not in it. He wasn't the Comic Con thing. So how long do you keep up this charade to try to hide the fact that Superman is in this movie, even though we already know Superman is in this movie? Hopefully, all the way up till the final trailer when maybe you see some dirt levitate more. That's my hope because I don't. You don't. See, you don't want to actually see him. I don't want to see him at all. I want him yeah. to be a movie surprise yeah. or a oh a cape just flew by type of a deal right, right right near the end like final shot of a trailer last one Superman like the the very Zack Snydery 
hard zoom in of Superman flying across the sky and punching a parademon. Well, I, I, isn't, I think there's a shot in like Man of Steel when he like either first puts on his cape or something and it's just kind of, he takes like a step in the frame and then his cape kind of goes yeah. through and like erases the rest of the frame. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him do a reverse shot of that where they're basically the same shot, but the Justice League is standing there in front and it's Superman, but instead of his blue and black suit or his blue and red and yellow suit, you see it's black and silver and then the cape is black. Yeah. And that's uh, just a quick tease everybody that the Death Superman suit is there. I feel like that would that would be a great way to end a third trailer. I'm also surprised we didn't see Steppenwolf a little bit, but No, I was glad for that too. I mean we need I think we need to keep him a little bit right. you know, in the in the dark. Uh, trailer two, Superman trailer three. That what we've got. He's definitely staring down Wonder Woman though when she lands oh, yeah. on board that ship or wherever that yeah, tower, tower or whatever, or whatever that it is. is. Yeah, she's like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, which like that point, like Flash isn't there. Uh, Batman's like, I'm. Um, I think like swinging around outside of mm-hmm. the building or something. Like, yeah. I'm interested to see why they aren't all attacking Steppenwolf, which is why I think that Superman has not yet been part of that team yet because. Superman would be there. I'm pretty sure if he was alive. Yeah, definitely. So, um, there was. What do you think of the shot where it like kind of gives like quick hits of um, Cyborg, Flash, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman, and there's like this oh, like glowing, yes. yeah, you know, orange behind them. The dawn of uh, looks like it looks like it looks like the end of the movie to me. Yeah, like they've just beaten back this army. The sun's coming up across whatever, like you know, this apocalyptic mm-hmm. land. You know, like, I love that you pointed that out because it's like where is this place right it looks like maybe striker islands remains i don't know maybe but anyway that's what that was to me or it was just like a let's have you guys stand here so we can at least show you um you know all lined up in vile yeah kind of like a you know after movie production yeah thing. i mean it definitely could be like a, just a quick marketing thing that they did mm-hmm. like last day from like okay we need all of you all of you stand in front of this green screen we're gonna put this orange background behind you guys and make it look super heroic but if it's actually in the movie i'm very confident that Superman will be part of that lineup at that point yeah. where, cause we don't see Batman either. And I'm guessing that Batman and Superman are standing side by side. And that's when the whole team will be together. And that's, I guessing will then they'll attack Steppenwolf for the final time. Ooh. Yeah. Or pretty, yeah. Pretty, I like that idea. Maybe like Batman's like, Hey dude, here's my hand. I know we tried to kill each other last time you right. were around, but we need you. And then the new team that Superman hasn't had a chance to get acquainted with yet is like up there on this hill. They're like, that's the Justice League. He's like, okay, yeah. deal. And then they fly off together. Yeah. Or whatever happens with Batman when he goes places. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got to see Billy Crudup uh, yes. in jail as Flash's as, as father. So there's definitely uh-huh. some kind of backstory for yes. Flash in there. Uh, that was nice. But the one thing um, I'm still kind of not worried about, but it's... How does all of this play out across a movie? Right. Because if there, if Justice League is actually two parts, yeah, because it's just it's just there, it's just one part now. Yeah. Why is there this massive battle happening now? Right. With with the Amazonians, like you think it might ha- happen in the past. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it does. I've, I'm pretty sure from set reports or something mm-hmm. that there was a quote that there was like a reveal that the movie begins or maybe this didn't come from the start report this is just a rumor or whatever but I know previously it's been said that the movie begins with a fight before 
all this current stuff where they're going to show the the origin of the mother boxes and stuff that we see in the trailers um and that's when like steppenwolf originally comes maybe that's where dark side appears um and it's the amazon it's the amazonians atlanteans and some early human humans battling apocalypse and his parademons and everything and then they defeat him somehow and then it flashes forward to what we know now as modern day yeah and that could be or we could possibly see robin wright in more action exactly that would be dope i would love yeah because i think i mean the, the 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 one distinct shot of it besides like the huge shot where you see everything happening yes, there's the an amazonian jumping through mm-hmm. and you're like I, that's either got to be robin wright or it'll probably be wonder woman's yeah. mom hippolyta that's the one Hippo- i put up hippolyta. on uh twitter yeah and i was just i was like this looks so epic yeah so it does i'm stoked um we also got to see uh mira uh played yeah. by amber heard she looked cool um and she's right next to a mother box so maybe she'll have a big role as well um and there was also our first live action look at jk simmons as commissioner gordon That's right he was part of that kind of jokey scene with aquaman mm-hmm. looks good uh i bought his dynamic with batman which is definitely a big yeah. thing for me to be on board for. For sure. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's, I thought it was a great trailer. Hopefully, this is going to ditch the trend. This and Wonder Woman will ditch the trend of of DC movies having great trailers and not great movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the movie. Um, one final thing in relation to Mara. We've got two shots of Aquaman swimming underwater, mm-hmm. and we've got her underwater there in her f- scene. That looking good? I think yeah, it's looking yeah, great. Yeah, it looks good. It's yeah. really good. Uh, so, I'm really really excited to see uh how that lo- how that fine that finished product is in this and then in the coming aquaman movie right so i think that's so cool to watch play out yeah so that's so that's our you have any other justice league thoughts or that is my entire justice league thoughts okay well that is same for me so we're going to move on to our view of power rangers what'd you think well okay so i've got some limited experience with uh the original TV show and the movies that they did after it. And I've always remembered it to be, you know, very Kung Fu ninja. I mean, kind of campy, you know, light poppy uh, Japanese dubbed movies. That seemed to have been my thing back Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. I don't know why. Um, And at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, I, I liked it a lot. Um, But it was mostly the action and RJ Seiler that got me there. Uh, everything else around the movie was either subpar or just head shakingly like, Oh really? Okay. (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, the opening five minutes was, was great. They had some jokes that, you know, I thought this would be on the, um, the PG side of PG 13, not the very PG 13, you know, thing uh, with like, you know, joking about a cow's udders and you know, things like that. I was like, okay, well, all right. Moving on, kids, it's an animal, whatever yeah. the case is. And then it comes up later uh, with Zach. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like I morph in my room. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Or the shower, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the shower. That's what it is. I was like, well then. Anyway, um, that was great. There was these swish pans in that opening Jason scene where mm-hmm. he, we kind of make it look like he's his head's on a swivel looking yeah. back at the cops. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And the wreck and all of that was terrific. Um R.J. Seidler, though, I can't say enough about his Billy Cranston. Uh, I thought he was really good. Um, first of all, the character's autistic, and I thought that was 
great because I can't remember the last time I've seen a character with some kind of illness get a central role mm-hmm. outside of The Shield, uh, Michael Chiklis's son, and then Breaking Bad. Um, Walter Jr. Mm-hmm. has cerebral palsy and he plays a huge part and, you know, it kind of tears down some of the stigma with that. I'm like, okay, awesome. I, there is something to be said though. Maybe it's a little bit too much jokey because like kind of there, they make a couple of jokes about it, but you know, that's fine. Um, but I don't, didn't buy the 80s teen coming of age parts of the movie. The breakfast club stuff in the beginning isn't subtle. Um, and they try to deliver this like teenage angst, nobody understands me type deal. And you don't buy, I didn't buy it up until the end where they finally have a campfire. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this is good. I liked the sharing time that they had there. Uh, Alpha five, Bill Hader was way underused. He could have been, he could have added so much more levity to what he already <laughs> did. Um, but we only got like one I, 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 and there, there are two, I'm pretty sure. Two. Okay. Sure. Well, only one that was prominent. Yes. That, that like, you're like, Oh, I get why he's saying it for sure. Um, and the thing that I was just so disappointed in was morphin time. Like the morphine grid was cool and I loved it. But when we finally got to see them, you know, get their suits, which we've been waiting the whole movie for. We got like a 35 second scene of that, like brief glimpses of armor coming on them. And then the money shot of them walking up out of the ship. And I'm like, oh, that could have been way cooler other than, you know, just the armor appearing on them. So that was a letdown. Uh, Brian Cranston's Zordon was good. was great. He was kind of a tool. Yeah. So I don't know if I like that as much, but it added some character and his backstory was neat. But I just couldn't believe they didn't make as much fun of Alpha 5 for basically, you know, being the meteorite or, you know, sending the meteorite to like (laughs) reset the world or whatever. I was like, how is that not like the butt of 20 different jokes in this movie? Uh, I thought that was kind of crazy. But um, and then I just have one final thing with the tone. And that was that it was really it was a darker shade of what I was expecting. Um, I think Brian Cranston compared it to The Dark Knight Mm -hmm. early on. So that was the mood they wanted to expect. But I think if they would have just, you know, shifted it a little bit towards the light a a bit more with tones and maybe everyone's attitude, it would have worked perfectly throughout the whole movie. Because when we get to the end, it it just becomes, you know, pure Zord destruction fun. Mm -hmm. And when they play the Power Rangers song, I'm like, okay, this is good. This is good. This is great. It just doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. So that's where I'll end my, um, my overview. I would give it a solid three t- ticket stubs, uh, and I'll toss it to you. What'd you think? I thought it was incredibly fun from okay. start to finish. I mean, sure. I didn't expect much from this movie, um, just to be entertained, and by that goal, it it met my goals. Uh, you know, every step of the way, pretty much. Awesome. I totally agree with you about R.J. Siler. He absolutely stole the movie. I mean, like you said. Bringing in the bringing in the autistic part of his character, I thought was genius. Um, and I mean, they do a really good job. Just the whole movie entirely of just giving basically anybody a character they can relate to. I mean, you have R.J. Siler who is black. You have Ludi Lin who is uh, Asian. You have Becky G who I th- think 
is Mexican, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, um, I think she's Latino. Um, At least her brothers are. Yeah, and then, sure. like, Naomi Scott and, like, Dacre Montgomery are both, I mean, they're in the movie, they're both just, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're white people, but, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're just, just white people. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. Not in a negative way, but, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Right. yeah, but, I mean, like, they're the, they're the jocks or the popular kids who aren't as popular anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ludi Lynn's, like, the outcast. Becky G um, as Trini. She is, she's the new kid who's traveling all the time, doesn't have a lot of friends. She's kind of that outcast, and she's also, like, dealing with whether or not she's homosexual and she's yeah. like so i feel like from that perspective this movie does a really like a better job than like almost any other movie mm-hmm. i've seen in recent memory of just representing any demographic you know desired from yeah, a, from an audience sure. perspective um and i mean yeah like rj siler just to get back to him for a little bit i mean his jokes were hilarious I think he is definitely the heart of the movie, and they built up that a lot, uh, including a very pivotal moment in the second act of the film. Naomi Scott and Dacre Montgomery are both really solid leads. Um, I'm really interested to see what, especially those three, will do moving forward outside of the Power Rangers, but oh, also definitely. in sequels and whatever. And Siler and Montgomery's chemistry was off the charts. Like their their bromance was impeccable. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought Ludi Lynn and Becky G were both fine as uh, Zach and Trini, but I think they were the ones who didn't have the most amount of screen time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the reaction I'm supposed to have basically where I'm like, you guys were good. I liked your characters, but I could have used more from you to make me like you even more. Um, and I liked that it was a lot more character focused than... I expected like I thought it would I thought it would be you know you know breakfast clubby for the first half hour and then everything after that would be them in their suits and everything and they just be just be over the top fun and I probably would have enjoyed that still but at the same time this way I was really invested in those characters by the time they did eventually morph where I was like I like it that said it does it like you said it, it takes a long time to get to that point where I'm like okay, like, yeah. I'm ready now. You've done like six training montages. Like I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm ready for you to suit up. And then when they do suit up, it doesn't last very long before they do get in their resorts. So you don't get to see mm-hmm. a lot of in suit combat. And I was also a little disappointed. This, this is, I don't think this is a spoiler. It's maybe a slight one, if anything, but you don't get to see their initial reaction when they do eventually suit up. Yeah. It just cuts mm-hmm. to the hero shot. And I was like, I would have I would have liked to see that moment because yep. they were one of them previously you know morphs and they're all like holy cow you morphed like that's super cool so when they all do I would have loved to see their reactions like high-fiving everybody Zordon congratulating yeah, them and stuff totally. I think they missed that point a little bit um but yeah I mean I liked Brian Cranston and Zordon same with Bill Hader I thought they were both fine uh Elizabeth Banks as Rita was all over the place tonally yeah. performance wise, mm-hmm. but I think it like it, it kind of works because it was, I mean, Rita is so over the top and I liked that Banks is kind of committed to being in a movie where it was so grounded that she kind of committed to just being, I'm going to embrace this, you know, what has come before me and do a completely insane Rita, which includes her like actually eating a necklace that that was yeah. not in the script. I saw an interview where she was like, "I just did that because I was like, that makes sense for this character." Oh. And I'm like, "Hats off to you, Elizabeth Banks." Okay, for sure. Um, I did not know that. And yeah, you mentioned 
the like the swivel like pan shots like from the car chase yeah i think that's all dean israelite i love the way that he shot the movie especially in that scene and then also when they're initially trying to find where zordon is in the power rangers base the whole water sequence like that was just super cool Mm -hmm. um i will say the ending comes together very quickly because they do they morph they get their zords and then they fight you know um goldar goldar and reed and everything you're like okay that's pretty quick but same time i was glad that i got to spend all those times with that with those characters um and ultimately i left the movie excited to see what comes next and ready to see a sequel so as a franchise starter based on a campy 90s movie i think it did really well and i'm gonna give it four ticket stubs out of five. Oh wow okay awesome i would yeah i totally i mean i can so see where you get there um so you dig dean israeli's filmmaking style yeah his way of doing it see some parts of it really bugged me okay and it were these at times the camera was just tilted uh-huh. like it was almost like it was uh you know 180 degrees not 180 degrees like 270 right where it was slanted entirely yeah. i was like okay this bugs me and then it really threw me for a loop when it would be like that and then he would do one of those you know fast zoom ins mm-hmm. like kind of like when the when, during the training montages where it'd be like wrapped around a corner then you would see rj uh siler or billy cranston fighting with alpha then he'd do like a fast zoom in zoom out and i was like okay that's okay that's throwing me for a that's loop. fair yeah yeah but i do agree with you though when they enter the the ship mm-hmm. so good especially with um the, like the mirror and how the, the camera just slowly tilts until we yeah. get to the normal gravity or the gravity of the ship. Yeah. And then they all fall through and I'm like, Oh, that's great. That's yeah. perfect. I loved that. Um, and I, t- Rita, like you said, very much all over the place. And she was part of the tone that mm-hmm. I really couldn't, I didn't think was good. Um, because she's like so creepy and weird mm-hmm. in those beginning moments of her life or her rebirth or, you know, whatever she's getting her power back. I was like, Oh, she's stabbing that guy's eyes out. Right. And I'm like, okay. And then we cut to, you know, them at school, you know, and figuring out their powers. It's like, all right, this is really in the close to the close to the edge on PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. But I did love RJ Siler's, you know, walk up to say and Yippie Kaye. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, I was like, wait, is this where they're gonna use their one F bomb? And they didn't. Yeah. And I was like, Right. Okay, that's clever. Because I did like that he's like because he is like autistic, he was very conscious of everything he was saying and everything. And he's like, "Oh no, no, I can't say that." It's yeah. like, okay, like I get, I get, like mm-hmm. from a meta perspective, like we can't, tech- I mean, you can't technically say it in the PG thirteen, but yeah. also we probably shouldn't. And it was also a good way to portray like some like maybe ten year old kid watching the movie thinking like, "Oh, I can't say bad words." Right? Or, he's not saying bad words. This this is a good kid, yeah. or you know something like that, like he's obeying his parents or something like yeah. that. So I thought that was but like good. for him, I just like before he becomes, you know, the blue ranger and everything. Like mm-hmm. I love the part within the school and that bully like tries to headbutt him and then everybody's like, Oh snap. Like Billy just knocked this dude out. And then like the next five minutes, it's all about how Billy's like the most popular guy in school yeah. all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And then Kim comes over and they're all like, why, why is Kimberly here? Yeah. And like, then she's like, uh, Billy, we need to talk. He's like, uh, okay. And they're all like, Billy's the coolest guy ever. And you're like, yeah, yeah. he is. <laughs> like I, yes. I, I would be on the same page with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it did a really nice job of playing with like those dynamics of high school and like clicks, you know, you, where you, you know, the popular kids wouldn't definitely 
in most cases never approach those tables and it, like they just kept breaking all those boundaries yeah. and stuff where i guess we're in spoiler territory yeah um, i think so I would say so. Uh, by the end of the movie, like literally the end of the movie, they're all in detention together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where even though like before, two of them weren't. So like right. clearly they just did something to get in detention so they could all hang out together. Yeah, it's the place to be now. Right. Um, and I loved, I loved the reason he's in detention too. His lunchbox blew up. Yeah. So you're like the whole movie. I'm like, wait a minute, why is he there again? And then they finally tell you. And then I'm like, I don't know why he would have his lunchbox explode, but it makes total sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> what was in there? I don't care. But yeah. he probably did I don't something. know, but that, that, that's yeah, cool. For sure. Um, since we are in spoilers too, I thought the way they got to the Megazord was a little, yeah. was a little lame. I would have loved to have seen them at least know how to do it or that like be the, the crazy thing that Zordon's like, you can turn it into a Megazord, but no one knows how. Well, that's like, that's like a thing. Like, I thought it was like kind of, I, th- I agreed with you. I was like, Oh, like they don't know how to do this, but then at the same time, there's like, oh, nobody's ever done this before. Yeah, I was like, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. If, okay, as long sure. as they can like figure out how to do it moving forward, be like, okay, well, if we, you know, as long as we're not about to die from heat, yeah, <laughs> we can still figure out a way to <laughs> you know become a Megazord. Yeah, so I'm like, I would love an explanation about how them, you know, falling into a pit with the life crystal. I guess the life crystal. Or the what's the crystal called? The the Zeo crystal, yes. Neo crystal. I don't yeah. know. Some whatever that is that did it for them. I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, whatever the case is, hopefully they can get their individual Zords back. But like the impression right. I got was, oh, it fused them all together. But yeah, I would I would hope they can still go back to. Because I would rather I'd like to see them do. Because I feel like we didn't get to see a lot of their individual Zords interact. No. And like just, what they can each do differently yeah. besides obviously Kim's can fly. Right. What, like, why is the Triceratops better than the T-Rex? Like, show me why, yeah. you know, what, why each of these are special and they're not all T-Rexes or something. And that comes to one of my digs is just like the Zords were, we got to them really quick. But when we got there, we had like two scenes and it was basically uh, Kim kicking butt everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jason like, oh, no, I'm in I'm in trouble. Help me, help me. And then right. Kim comes through, saves his T-Rex. And then next thing you know, they do the drop the tri- Triceratops mm-hmm. right on the gold dar, which was which was a cool, made for a cool scene. Yeah. But I was like, all right. Also, Krispy Kreme has never been more important, oh, <laughs> yes. which was awesome. I was like, I am I'm dying for Krispy Kreme now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what Krispy Kreme had to pay for this, for their, their role in this movie, yeah. but it is like mind-blowingly substantial. Like mm-hmm. they are literally the crux of the entire movie yes. rests on <laughs> their one Krispy Kreme in Angel Grove. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's insane. I, lo- I, lo- I thought it was great. Yeah, so did uh, I. Especially because when RJ Siler's out there looking for the crystal and right. then he kind of looks around and he's like, he sees the Krispy Kreme and he's like, Oh yeah, that's 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 where I need to go. Yeah, um, I was like, wait, is the crystal there or is he just hungry? And, like, right. give it up. And I think um, Kim and Trini are like having like yeah, lunch they're like there having too. like donut fight. Yeah, <laughs> I was like that's, that's, that's good. It was fun. That was one part of the montage I did like. That was sweet. Um, Rita Repulsa's how they stowed her away for another movie uh, was interesting to say yes. the least. I <laughs> that bugged me a bit. I kind of I just laughed at it when it went down. But, I laughed at the fact that they just slapped her. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I get it kind of because mm-hmm. now she's, you don't have to kill her. You don't have to be like, do like the typical thing where like, oh, we we have you now in prison in our ship. And then eventually in the second movie or the third movie, somebody would come along and break her out of there. Yeah. 
or a ranger would turn against them or something. I'm mm-hmm. like, now she's just off and some other villain can find her floating in space and bring her back and help in the second or third movie or yeah, something. Yeah, because she'll be important um, when we get to the post credit scene here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was... Oh, I did... I mean, speaking of her getting slapped, I did think that was pretty funny when um, Jason slaps Bulk. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, did you just slap him? It's like, yeah, now leave him alone. And I'm like, yeah. okay. It's like, oh, interesting. <laughs> no fight, yeah. I, I don't know what it said about Jason's character at all, but right. it's like, just funny. Yeah, so, it was when funny. When he did it, I was like... He just slapped him. That's really lame. But then they yeah. acknowledged it and it was like, okay, that's funny now. Yeah. So it was all about that. Um, I also liked, I liked, you mentioned the beginning of the movie. I liked the fact that the first or the previous Rangers from everything I could tell, they were not human. Oh yeah. That they were like some alien race that had come to earth to defend earth from, or specifically the Neo crystal. So that Rita and whoever, I mean, I'm assuming there has to be some other force behind Rita's turn against being a good Green Ranger to being, you know, now Rita right. Repulsa. Yeah. Um, so maybe that would be explored in the second movie. And the green, you know, power coin is infested or something. And that'll do the Green Ranger turn or whatever. Um, but I did like the fact that, like, they tied everything together where Zordon was the previous Red Ranger and that. Rita was the previous Green Ranger, like I yeah. think a lot of people suspected it would be, and I was like, I was just glad that it happened, and we got to see Cr- Cranston's actual face. Oh yeah, <laughs> even he, though it was blue and alien looking, he looked like um, he looked like Idris Elba, like midway through Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek yeah, yeah, Beyond, yeah. yeah. That, and I was like, very good hey, comparison. yeah, this looks really good. And I thought it was, I did like that opening because I was like, oh man, am I watching a really, really gritty Power Rangers right. war movie? And then, you know, as he's crawling through the dirt and uh, finds the dead yellow ranger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, this this really started off. Uh, and then, like, you know, he brings in the meteorite and so and so forth. Uh, the Power Rangers. Yeah. So, I also, um, what would you think of Billy, quote unquote, dying, but then coming back? Yeah. See, that's, you talked about it in your, you know, your opening. And I thought. You know, that actually makes more sense since RJ is the heart of this movie mm-hmm. and that's where, and that's how we kind of start to feel something for these people. Like we'll feel something more for them. Right. How about that? Um, and then that's what's get, what gets all these people to uh, finally unite or care about each other, mm-hmm. think about each other, whatever gets them to morph. I forget which, what Zordon says specifically, but I, I thought it was too early for something like that. Yeah. I mean, I... I in the moment I was like I wouldn't put it past them necessarily to kill off the Blue Ranger. I was like I hope this isn't the case because R.J. Mm-hmm. Siler up until that point was my favorite part of the movie, and afterwards he would still continue to be that my favorite part. Um, but I was like because Zordon wasn't just like the prototypical like good guy mentor. I was like, well maybe he actually will you know be like sorry Billy, but I want to be back and alive again so. Yeah, you're screwed. So I, yeah, that's what I didn't like. I mean, I like the selfish aspect, or like the giving Zordon some a dynamic personality um, to some extent. But I just thought, I'm like, you know, depending on where they take this franchise, if it becomes a franchise, there's there's a plot for a Ranger to go down that we care about, and you know, maybe you should have saved something like that for that moment. Well, I mean, he, Zordon does say this, like 
the power grid or ever is rarely ever opened mm-hmm. and it's a one it's a one time thing basically it's how he it's how he made it seem yeah so i feel like they used that up now so almost like they can't use it moving yeah. forward in a case it was kind of like them i mean not to do another star trek comparison but it was almost like at the end of into darkness mm-hmm. where chris pine gets brought back to life captain kirk and it's like oh well, there's no consequences for right. death anymore. And then they, I mean, they explain it the way in the third one, but it's like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. But I did like that. The fact that this also gave Zordon a chance to like grow as the mentor because, you know, in a lot of movies, the mentor, you know, whether it's, you know, if we go to star Wars, it's Obi-Wan, it's Yoda. They are already the all knowledgeable mentor. They don't make mistakes. This one, Zordon's very selfish that the first, two-thirds of the movie before he goes and says my time has passed i already failed you guys may actually be able to succeed so i'm going to try to help you best i can and i think that will help moving forward in the second movie if it happens and i I think it will regardless of how well it does the box office just Mm -hmm. because they said they have a six movie arc planned if you have six movies you should at least try to get the second one out i think and yeah show why people should continue to see these Mm -hmm. so i like the fact that zordon now moving forward will be more on their side and less of kind of resisting uh jason's leadership within the group yeah that's a really good way to think about it i mean like the way there was a there was a power dynamic and now it's finally seated Mm -hmm. and um that relationship can be built up from the second and hopefully, you know, improve upon, I think, a solid foundation block yeah. we've got, for sure. Um, that almost runs through all of my main yeah. notes. That's all have, That's all I have, except for the post or the mid-credits. Yeah, I do want to say, I was glad, I think I said this to you, because we got to see this movie together mm-hmm. for the first time in a while. Uh, I was glad that they cut the kiss scene that yes. they had in the trailers, because there's no way that would have yeah, worked. Yeah, that would not have worked at, at all. all. Because, I mean, they're as they elaborate on why they're both in detention and who they know, it's like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. For sure. I, I'm very glad that they did not. I mean, I'm guessing they'll do that subplot down the road mm-hmm. because they also kind of set up Zach and Trini as maybe being like, Zach is very aggressive towards Trini and being like, hey, girl, like, yeah. I like you. Um, she is not very receptive to that. Uh, right. For obvious reasons. But I feel like that is a scenario that could play out potentially. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was very glad that they don't include that. So the post credits scene then? Yes. What I mean, do you know? I mean, when you saw it, I was did like, you get it? it's a green jacket. And I recognized from my brief experience with power Rangers that Tommy was the green ranger that eventually becomes the white ranger or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we're getting another ranger. I think that's yeah. cool. And there's like, I mean, like as soon as that happened, I mean, there's a slew of people, that are being like fan cast into the role. Oh, and, really? Yeah, I mean, since Tommy was Native American, like the people are like, are shooting for that? I mean, Angel Grove, I assume, is in like North Dakota. Looks like I, have I don't no know idea. somewhere. I mean, there's plenty of uh, room for that, and I mean that opens up the door to, you know, having the whole Tommy plot line through mm-hmm. maybe one or two of the movies. Um, some places he he dies mm-hmm. and then comes back as the white ranger or he turns evil and then comes back. Spoilers. Is this spoilers? I guess. Yeah. So. I mean, I suppose for the old series that aren't technically canon. Yeah. Quote unquote, but they're very much 
these movies are very much taking what happened before and mm-hmm. adapting them in some ways. Yeah. So I think that this opens it up for a strong three movie arc or, you know, if they want to do six, a six movie arc. Because mm-hmm. I think there's surprisingly, there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. I mean, three seasons that have like 50 episodes a piece. So yeah. you have a ton of material right. to, you know, go forward with. I know the, I mean, I, yeah, I'm excited to see another Ranger potentially in the second movie, or I guess it will be in the second movie if the movie does happen, which I think it will. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast I've seen, they've been saying that they would love it to be a green or for the green Ranger to be a female, which is not what it is typically. No, but I mean, Tommy just do like T O M I. That's a more girlish version, or maybe you could play it off where her name is Tammy and the teacher just read it wrong. Right. I, I yeah. don't know, but I'd like, I, I would, I would be on board for that. I don't have any fan cast of who I'd want to see as the green ranger no, because I would have never chosen any of these people to be in this. And I really like all five of them. So, yeah. um, if they can get another unknown to establish a sixth lead in this franchise, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And then he keeps the cost down, keeps, I mean, mm-hmm. cause that's what ultimately is going to drive these right. movies is how, the budget and how much they can squeak by with right it. the budget was reportedly like a hundred hundred and five million or something um and this opening weekend the final numbers aren't in yet but it, the estimate is it's going to do 40 and a half million which the projections excuse me the projections were like 30 to 35 so it outgrossed that already so i feel like the positive i know critics are basically split down the middle mm-hmm. or whether or not this is a good movie or not yeah I think the fan reactions have so far been a lot more positive. Um, and I think that's going to bode well for this movie this weekend, the rest of the week. And then even, you know, next weekend as it competes with like ghost in the shell. And after that, I feel like it's going to be the international box office that keeps this movie afloat. Oh, yeah. But I mean, with a hundred million dollar budget, if it can do two fifty worldwide, and I, I, in my mind, I think that makes its money back, depending on how big of a marketing budget it has. Sure. So th- th- that's not crazy. Yeah, I I think the international box office is where it's going to make its money. Probably yeah. not, definitely not Pacific Rim levels, especially no. in like the Chinese market. But um, I think it could do really well. Yeah. I mean, especially because so I. I noticed Zach is of the two Rangers that don't get as much attention, he gets featured uh, more prominently than Trini does. Mm-hmm. So that could easily open the avenue right. for, um, you know, uh, d- doing well over in China and Japan and other places like that. Yep. So I hope we get to see another one. I would, lo- would you like to see, you were kind of iffy on if, whether you liked Dean Israelites directing or not. Would you want to see him back in a second movie or maybe hand it off to somebody else? I think he could, co- he can come back and do another one. I mean, I would, I mean, well, he can do whatever he wants, but right. I wouldn't mind him coming back. Uh, I'm just not, I'm not sold on his style of his filmmaking entirely, mm-hmm. but I did enjoy the movie. I think he, I think he knows how to capture some kind of like, you know, teen spirit. Yeah. Um, well, so I don't know if I would trust that with anyone else other than, um, man, you know, I don't have a name at the top of my head yet. You you could, if he doesn't want to come back, I don't know how well this would work, but the girl who directed Edge of 17. I was just about to say. Would be, would be cool. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I couldn't, you know, uh, throw that out there. But Especially been, then if you get Haley Steinfeld as the Green Ranger female version. Oh. That'd be that cool. That would take the franchise. That would 
I know what she's franchise. she's not Native American, but right. I mean, you know, Haley Steinfeld's great, so mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. But who knows? We'll have to wait and see whether or not we see another Power Rangers movie. Um, next week we are going to be seeing Ghost in the Shell, Ooh. the live action take on the famed manga starring Scarlett Johansson. Are you interested in this movie? And if so, why? Or do you are you not interested? I'm on the fence. Uh-huh. I just there's not enough substance in the trailers to make me think this is intriguing. Other than there's not enough there for me to say, uh, this is intriguing. Make sense? Right, yeah. Like I don't know what's happening, so I'm interested. Mm-hmm. But there's I don't know enough. So it's like I'm not at all curious. Okay. Does that makes sense? Kind of. I'm interested in what I don't know more than what I want to find out. Okay. How about that? Uh, Scarlett Johansson, I mean, obviously a phenomenal actress. Uh, and she's the only one I can name that's in this movie. So uh, hopefully the supporting cast will, you know, get me excited. Uh, but I do love stylized action movies when paired with some other kind of element, mm-hmm. like The Matrix or um, like Kingsman. Uh, yes. So hopefully whatever else this movie is, you know, it delivers on it. Mm-hmm. You seem, I think you seem a little bit more excited for this. Yeah, I am. I am pretty excited for it. Okay. I, I really like Scarlett Johansson as an actress, obviously. Um, I am one of the few people I feel like who actually liked Lucy. Um, I know it has its problems in the third act where it just gets so over the top and bizarre where yeah, that's, you have no idea what's happening. That's putting it lightly. But I liked it very much up until that point. I I mean, I buy her as an actress and in a day where a lot of people are, you know, clamoring for more major female led movies. I know this one has controversy around it because in the original manga this is a Japanese character. Scarlett Johansson clearly is not Japanese. Um I think they're going to find a way to explain around this decision, whether it's she, I don't think they're going to do like where she was Japanese before and now oh, they, they put goodness. a white body on her. Um, <laughs> I feel like that would go over completely terribly. I would sink the movie. Um, but I do think they'll do something where, she, you know, she is just in whether, you know, I feel like they'll explain mm-hmm. a good enough way around why she is white. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> where look people as, won't be offended. Yeah, not as bad as it seems. Yes. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, from the trailers, I mean, I've seen the original, the original animated movie, and it looks like this movie is taking a lot of, you know, cues from that. But at the same time, looks like it's doing some other different stuff as well. So, I mean, the action in the trailers looks really cool. I'm a big fan of Scott Johansson, so those are the two biggest reasons why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be seeing it this weekend, and we'll be reviewing it next week. Uh, so hopefully, it's good. I mean. If it is, it's going to continue what is continuing to be a very strong year in movies in 2017. Yeah, we haven't really, you know, hated the movie yet this year, have we? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I saw Great Wall, and that movie is really terrible. Okay, that's right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, like, Kong is the second worst movie I've seen that's come out in 2017. And that was okay. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's okay. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good so far. <laughs> For we're, sure. We're, you know, Ghost and Shell will officially be the three-month you know, we'll be 25% done with 2017 and we'll have, if this movie is good, we'll have like 90% good movies so mm-hmm. far, which is a pretty good, uh, pretty good track yeah, record. for sure. So we'll see what happens when we get to Fate of the Furious and where we are in that part. 
Yeah, who knows about that one? Uh, but that's only a couple weeks away, so <laughs> it's not too far away before we no, review that one. Um, but that's it for us. So during our time, we be sure to tell it, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by tuning us at Friends and Film, where you will receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops, and you can follow me Josh at Just Joshua Ryan. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, you can head to iTunes, give us a five star review with comments, so the show can grow, other people can find us, uh, because. As much as we like you listening to the show, we would love it even more if other people start listening as well. So do that. Be a friend of the show and do that as well. Uh, That's it for us. Josh? Thanks for stopping by, everyone. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends on Film podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for our review of Ghost in the Shell.